Good morning, everyone. We are so glad to be with you this morning. I'm Sarah. This is Micah, and we're the lead pastors at the Vine Church in Tri-Cities, Washington. We're just so glad that you've tuned in this morning. Absolutely. We are in the Advent season now. Now, Advent mm -hmm. is the four weeks leading up to Christmas, and Advent literally means waiting. We are waiting upon the coming of Jesus. And this takes on three different aspects as we consider Advent. We remember that he came when he was born, uh, leading up to Christmas here. We remember that he's coming again, in his second coming. He will come again. And thirdly, he is coming here and now in the present. And this year, as we talk about Advent, Advent, we're really focused on this present phase. When Jesus was teaching his apostles to pray, he says, pray like this, uh, Father in heaven, um, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's this beautiful idea of this inaugurated kingdom, this kingdom in which Jesus has come, the kingdom has been ushered into the world, but it is coming more and more in its fullness. So this season, uh, in this season of Advent, today we remember peace, which is coming into the world. So today we talk about peace. I wonder if you've ever experienced being in a place that was really peaceful or seemed really peaceful to you. A couple weeks ago, I had uh, the opportunity to go to our family cabin near Yakima, and I was there by myself for a day on Sabbath. And I walked down to the river, and by the way, there was snow up there, so I was really excited to see some snow. And I walked down to the river, and I could hear the stream, and, and there was frost on the trees, there was snow in places on the ground, there was ice around the river. And I remember thinking, this is such a peaceful place. And then I walked down to the bank and I saw much to my surprise and excitement that a beaver had moved in to that little area of the stream. And so everything had changed there. There was a beaver dam and there was a pond there behind the beaver dam. And there was just signs of life and signs of an ecosystem working together. And as I stood there, I just felt this sense of peace that things were um, working together as they should. Yeah. So when you think of peace, uh, what do you think of? Often we think of this tranquil feeling this like calmness. Sarah is describing yeah. right there. Um, often when we think of the term peace, we would think of the lack of conflict or war. Uh, that mm -hmm. also is um, something we would refer to as peace. The biblical idea of peace is quite robust. It goes far beyond just the lack of conflict or a feeling that we might be having, tranquility or something like that. In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew scriptures, the word that we translate to peace is shalom. And shalom refers to a wholeness or a completeness, a state of well-being. So yes, it has to do with the lack of conflict, but that lack of conflict, that void, is filled with something beautiful, something remarkable, a wholeness and a completeness. Um, now this term shalom in the Old Testament, it's used in many different ways for many different things. For instance, if a building had just been completed, the, the construction was done, that shalom had been brought to this building, it had been completed. 
Shalom uh, was also is also used in the Old Testament to refer to uh, relational things. Um, so when relationships are restored, when restoration is brought about, the term is shalom. So if debts are repaid, there is a completion brought about in that relationship or that contract. Uh, if wrongs are made right, if a relationship is restored, then shalom has come to that relationship. Um, and throughout Scripture, we read about this idea of shalom or peace as it, as it relates to reconciliation. Yeah. You know, in the Old Testament, shalom is often associated with justice and with righteousness. Um, in Jeremiah 8, God is confronting his people because of his people's greed and deceit. And he's frustrated with people who pretend um, that there is peace when in reality they're acting unjustly and there is no peace. In fact, Jeremiah 8 verse 11 says, peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. There's a pretense of peace, but it's not real peace. Yeah, and in Psalm chapter 34, um, the uh, author says, uh, turn from evil and do good, mm -hmm. seek peace and pursue it. Um, so it's this idea that, that justice and righteousness, turning away from evil and moving towards good things, this is a part of shalom, of peace existing. And then in Isaiah 9, uh, there's this passage that refers to peace, and it's a passage we often read in this Advent season because it's a prophecy about Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And in Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 6, Isaiah writes, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of of peace, Prince of Shalom. And the passage continues talking about his government and his kingdom that will have a peace that will never end and that he will reign forever and his kingdom will be established and upheld by justice and righteousness. So we, we see, we hear here in Isaiah him speaking of this coming Prince of Peace whose kingdom is marked by a peace that has no end, who reigns forever with justice and righteousness. Again, that idea of shalom being associated with acting justly and righteously. And, and it's a beautiful picture of where peace comes from and what peace is like. Wholeness and mm -hmm. completeness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the Old Testament, uh, the Hebrew word that we translate to peace was shalom. Now, as we transition to the New Testament, uh, the New Testament was written in Greek. And so we have a new word. The primary word that we translate to peace in English uh, was irene. Now, irene was quite similar to the Old Testament idea of shalom, except maybe slightly broader. Irene mm -hmm. is used slightly more often to refer to that tranquility, that feeling, and some of those other aspects of peace that we talk about today. Now, the very first time the the term irene is used in the New Testament is in um, the Gospel of Matthew. And it's a story of where Jesus is sending out his 72 followers. He's saying, go ahead uh, to the towns that I'm about to visit and tell them the good news that the kingdom of God has come. And he gives them instructions. He says to them, now don't take any provisions with you. Just go and knock on a door and see if you find a person of peace mm -hmm. there. 
And if this house is deserving, he makes this really interesting statement. He says, if the house is deserving, then let your peace rest on it or let your peace abide in that place. And that's always seemed a very curious statement to me. I've, I've, I've kind of wondered and gone back and forth on exactly what that might mean. You see, if we're, if we're defining peace as just a tranquil feeling or the lack of conflict, it doesn't make a ton of sense that he would say, so let a lack of conflict dwell in that place. No, what he's talking about is this wholeness and this fullness, this relational opportunity, a peaceful, substantial, you know, relational existence that is found only in God, only in Jesus, through this idea of shalom or irene, peace that is substantive and and, and remarkable in the context of relationship in a place. Love that. Now, Jesus is referred to in Scripture as our peace. Um, like in Isaiah 9, when Isaiah was prophesying about this person that was to come, who, who was the Prince of Peace, Jesus is our peace. So he has made peace between us and God. Um, in Romans 5, this is how Paul speaks of it. Five, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you consider, when we consider this definition of peace and, and, and the rich meaning that's in this word peace, it adds all new meaning to this phrase. So um, we have peace with God. We have a restoration. Uh, we have a reconciliation. We have a wholeness, a relationship that's healthy and whole. And we have this through Jesus, through his life, his death, and his resurrection. So Jesus is our peace. He has brought peace between humanity and God. Yeah, and Jesus is our peace. He is bringing peace amongst people mm -hmm. as well. Ephesians 2 verse 14 says, For he himself is our peace, who made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Now, in the context, it's speaking of the Jewish people who are separate from the Gentiles, the other nations. And, and, and he's saying, in Jesus, he has brought peace. He is our peace. There is no more dividing wall. There is no more cause for hostility mm -hmm. because Jesus is our peace. His birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his continued action in the world today is bringing peace, opportunity, hope for whole relationships that are life-giving. So then uh, if Jesus is our peace, as Jesus followers, what are we to be about. Um, I think Jesus speaks to this in Matthew 5. He said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. So that's what we're to be about as Jesus followers, living as peacemakers. And I notice here that Jesus doesn't say peacekeepers. <laughs> now, I for one am someone who I, I don't like conflict. And so often I try to appease, I try to please people, I try to smooth things out so there's not conflict. But that's not what Jesus is referring to here. 
He didn't say peacekeepers, those who don't want to rock the boat or stir up conflict, because that's not real peace, just like Jeremiah when he said, you know, they say peace, peace, but there's no real peace here. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, and that's someone who's actively working to bring about healing, actively working to bring about restoration and reconciliation, to bring people together, to tear down barriers. Jesus is our peace. He has done that for us. But then he also calls us to be peacemakers, to join him in that work. Peter, later on in the New Testament, quotes um, Psalms 34, which says, Seek peace and pursue it. Paul in Romans 12 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And a couple chapters later in Romans 14, Paul writes, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. We are to be people about peacemaking, about reconciliation and restoration, because that is what Jesus did. And so as Jesus followers, that's who we're supposed to be. You know, have you have you ever had that experience like in um, in an argument or a discussion that's got we've heated. never argued. So we've never had right. that experience. But I'm right? sure someone has had this experience. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Had that experience where someone kind of in frustration, finally says, okay, I'm sorry. Did, did that feel like restoration? Did that feel like, I mean, maybe it ends the conflict, mm-hmm. right? But like these ideas of peace, shalom in scripture, mm-hmm. there is an opportunity far greater that I'm sure all of us have experienced. That that moment when relationship is restored, when a, a, a love and a desire for opportunity for the other is restored. And quite often those relationships that have been through some challenge, but come to that point where it's not just a begrudging, I'm sorry, but instead a new course for mm-hmm. life and in that relationship is found. That is the idea of peace that we're talking about today. And so as Sarah describes us being peacemakers, we want to explore what does it look like to go beyond, you know, just avoiding or um, de-escalating conflict? What does it look like to actually move towards something beautiful, the peaceful relationship that brings about the things of God. So what does that look like? It, it, it often will mean we address injustice and wrongs in our communities, in the world. We call out things that are not peaceful in this world. And it's ironic to speak of bringing about any sort of confrontation uh, when speaking of peace, but this is the reality. If we're talking about bringing about opportunity, justice, and righteousness for all people, a part of that process mm-hmm. will be identifying and speaking to the wrongs that do exist. Secondly, uh, what does it look like to be peacemakers? We engage um, in bringing about peaceful relationships, relationships um, and, and peace marked by justice and righteousness, marked by doing what is best for other people instead of just ourselves. This is the idea of being peacemakers that we find in scripture. And if we look at our lives, there are so many opportunities to be peacemakers in so many different areas of our life. I mean, just in our family or with our friends, um, you you guys have experienced relational dynamics. There's always something going on and there's often hurt or, or things that need to be addressed. And so being peacemakers with our families and our friends means coming together in healthy and whole relationships, doing good for each other, teaching our children 
um, as parents teaching our children how to treat each other and how to resolve conflict and how to how to love like Jesus loves in our workplaces, um, the ways in which we communicate, the ways in which we engage work. Are we working to tear down barriers? Um, are we working to lift each other up? That's what it means to be a peacemaker in our community. There's so many different places in which we can engage as peacemakers. Um, I'm thinking of right now, Jamie's community podcast that she's interviewed so many different nonprofits that are working in our community uh, to bring about healing where there is brokenness and pain, uh, organizations that are serving, organizations that are, are, are trying to provide peaceful solutions to big problems in our community. So whatever, whatever that looks like and whatever areas you're involved in, we are called to be peacemakers. And the question today is, are we willing to put ourselves out there? Are we willing to engage um, the things that are wrong so that we can help bring about healing and wholeness and reconciliation? So as we zoom out, it's a little bit ironic. Uh, Advent means to wait. Yeah. And yet we're saying as we focus on peace in Advent, it is not an idle posture. It, mm -hmm. It's not a waiting posture. No, it's a posture of engaging uh, the, the things that have been, the things that are, and the things that will be. Specifically this week, we talk about peace. And we say that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, he came into the world. He is coming into this world as we participate in the things of the kingdom of God. And he will come again and rest restore peace in its fullness. But today, during the season of Advent, we consider what it looks like to actively pursue peace, to actively pursue the kingdom of God that has come, that is coming, and that will come in its fullness. So today on the second Sunday of Advent, we are invited to pray for and to wait expectantly for the coming of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. We are invited to live into Jesus's kingdom of peace by being peacemakers ourselves as Jesus is a peacemaker maker, to see where he is working and to join him there, to actively pursue and seek peace in our relationships with each other, in our relationship with God, in our relationship with creation. We are invited today to be peacemakers. Mm -hmm. It's traditional to light a candle each week as we remember the different mm -hmm. elements of Advent. And this week, we're blessed to have the Perea family lighting a candle with us. Hello, we're the Perea family, and today we're going to be lighting the second candle of Advent. From Luke 13-14, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. You're invited to pray with us. Julian today will lead us. After each statement, we'll all respond. Come Lord Jesus. Jesus, you are the light of the world. Come Lord Jesus. You are the light in our darkness. Come Lord Jesus. Son of God, save us from our sins. Come Lord Jesus. Bring hope into the lives of all people. Come Lord Jesus. 
give your peace to all nations. Come, Lord Jesus. Be the joy of all who love you. Come, Lord Jesus. Teach us to love as you love. Come, Lord Jesus. Jesus, stay with us always. Come, Lord Jesus. Everyone, amen. Amen. Thank you so much to the Perea family for joining us today. I want to leave us with a benediction. May Jesus bring us peace. May he make us whole and complete. And may we as Jesus followers be peacemakers. May we see where there is pain and injustice and wrongdoing in our lives and in our community. And may we pursue Jesus's peace that restores and reconciles. May we work towards peaceful relationships and peaceful systems and peaceful solutions. And may Jesus, the Prince of Peace, be our guide. Yeah. If you want to go a little bit deeper on the subject of peace and maybe uh, worship in the context of peace and Advent, I've got a new song for you. It's new to mm -hmm. us. It's probably new to you. Uh, his name is Austin French. The name of the song is Peace on Earth. And uh, the prayer is um, all division, may it cease. The prayer in the song is uh, let there be peace on earth. Um, as heaven comes, let us experience the peace that our Prince of Peace is bringing. Yeah. Friends, thank you so much for joining us today. Blessings. Bye.